Since the beginning of the church, persecution has been part of the Christian experience. In fact, the Bible tells us that all who seek to live a godly life will be persecuted. Today, an estimated 360 million Christians are living under severe religious restriction. On this podcast, we share their stories. And we answer the question, how can American Christians live as Christ in an increasingly hostile culture? The way of the persecuted is the harder way. And this is the Harder Way Podcast. Well, hello, everyone. I'm still Scott. And I'm still Maddie. And welcome back to the Harder Way Podcast. In today's episode, we want to talk about what happens when you're choosing to live the harder way and things just seem to get a whole lot harder in your life. <laughs> like when God says drive down the road and then the wheels fall off your car. Yes, I think that's a pretty accurate description of yeah. what we're going to talk about you today. You know, I got an email just the other day from a friend who is... I mean, this guy is a—he is a—he is a servant of God. He's invested his time, his talent, and his mm-hmm. treasures in the kingdom, and specifically in the persecuted church. And he felt like God told him to move, and I believe he did. And it has just not been a pleasant experience. He's, mm. Yeah, he has—he's been sick. Uh, he's got, he's like experiencing one of the plagues right now. You know, he's got boils on his body. I mean, oh my like, goodness, brother, yeah. suffering. And uh, and I was thinking about this because this kind of mirrors mirrors my journey. I was gonna say when you were te- when you were speaking about your friend, I was gonna say, huh, sounds a little bit familiar. Uh, yeah, you know, we moved uh, to the town that we now live in. The Lord told us to move, and I mean, within before we even got moved into our house, I was really sick and yeah. had to go. To the, and I've never really been sick in my life. I was really sick, and I stayed sick. I was for. Long time. I mean, long, and it was one thing after another. It was, yeah, yeah. and it was uh, uh, at one point I actually burned my feet, second and third degree burns in the bottoms of my feet, right after I had just been declared healed from one injury. And I mean, it was weird stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, even once I got rhabdomyolysis, I had a reaction to a medication and I got rhabdomyolysis and almost died. Almost died from that. And then I got COVID on a mission trip. The, mm-hmm. When it, the original COVID, when it very first came out, I was on a mission field, and then got it again. I like how you say when it first came out, like it's a you know. Well, COVID like viruses. When it first came out, when it was first in fashion to have COVID. Yeah, when, I, when I was doing latest, it first. When the when the first big popular version, because COVID's variants of viruses have been around for a long time. Yeah. Right, coronaviruses. Um, yeah, I mean, but it, it impacted me so much for so long that I'm only now starting to regain some strength and regain some vitality. And I think that kind of the the point you're getting at is that you felt very strongly a very clear leading from God that we were supposed to move here. Yes. And then we did, and then it's one thing after the other, and you can't help but think, did I miss God? Was I not supposed to do this? Oh, yeah, and, we, and there was... We didn't have any money mm-hmm. for years and years yeah. on end. And very, very severe financial struggle. So you're yeah. thinking, well, you know, it's easy to go to that place where you say, God's clearly not blessing this, so I must have made the wrong choice. Would it, that be fair to it say? It would have been easy in the first two years just to say, I would have had to eat a little crow, 
because I was pretty confident in the fact that God was leading us. I, we could have gone back where we came from. We could have moved pretty much and back in our old situation. Yeah, you know, gotten pretty we, clicked back into everything normal. Income and... popped right back up, and you know I, I had a, reputa- a good reputation there, mm-hmm. and and had opportunities there. You know, um, yeah, and it. <laughs> and I think sometimes it was tempting to do that when you're going through those difficult times. You know, yeah. you feel like God tells you to do something, and then things get so crazy. And I think that's kind of what your friend is experiencing, too. Yeah. And I think that's kind of what we want to talk about is the fact that we're not promised that when we obey God, that everything is going to be exactly how we want it to be, that everything is going to be just calm, happy, no stress. We're not promised that at all. But I think sometimes we assume that that's how it's going to be and when it's not like that we start to question god we start to question if we've heard from him if we've made a mistake if we're being punished somehow right because we have this view of god that's very transactional Mm, i am a good boy so i get good stuff i'm a bad boy so i get bad stuff um that you know that that and and we and we it, these are these are positions or these are thoughts that are completely outside of scripture. I mean, yes, if I am a Christian and I'm behaving in such a way that is contrary to what God wants me to do, can will will can he bring consequences or will he bring hardship or discipline on me in order to get me back on the right path? Sure. Yeah. But I don't have to do something wrong for God to bring hardship or discipline put me on the right path. Scripture says that we should endure hardship as discipline given mm-hmm. from a loving father. I mean, that's like a sign that God loves us. Right. And we shouldn't say, what did I do wrong? Where have I gone wrong? How did I, what did I do to deserve this? Didn't I pay my tithes? Didn't I go to church every Sunday? Didn't I teach Sunday school? And God's like, dude, do you not even understand the Bible? This is not what it's about. I'm making you more like Jesus. Well, I think this goes back to something that we talked about Uh, One of the characteristics of resilient, persecuted pastors, those who stayed strong during uh, restriction and persecution, is that they have a biblical definition of suffering. Mm. And if our definition of suffering is not lined up with scripture, then we see suffering automatically as punitive. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, we're being punished with these bad things, and if I want these bad things to go away, I just need to be better. And it was Samuel Lamb, one of the Iron Men of China, one of the you know the big important saints there, who spent decades in prison after the uh, uh, he was in prison for his faith in China. Um, he personally told me, I said, "How do we prepare for religious restriction in America?" He said, "You got to learn to love suffering." Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, I, and exactly. I spent a long time trying to understand that crazy statement, but it's really not that complicated. I, I would say um, what I, he was right to not give me the answer because I needed to work through it. But the next step in understanding the answer is to understand we have to recognize that our God, who is omnibeneficent, all good, mm-hmm. omniscient, all-knowing, all-knowing. omnipotent, all-powerful, all-powerful, right? Never-ending, never-changing, never-ceasing, that God, immutable, that he has um, a plan for our lives. He has a purpose for our lives. And Part of that purpose is for us to love him and to love others. Part of that purpose is for us to become more like Jesus. And part of that purpose is some other specific things that he has for us to do. We may not even realize we're doing them when we do them, but he has a, He has plans for us in our life, and he's trying to move us in that direction. 
Yes, and I think it's interesting to think about too because we can in small doses in in tiny ways say, okay, well this bad thing happened, but it's good. But we're kind of limited in our ability to do that. But if you think about God being all-knowing, and if you think about God being outside of time, and you think about him working all things together, you start to see that there are things that we go through that are so much bigger than just us and our story. And I think that in America, because we're Greek thinkers, we're we're influenced by Hellenism, right? So we, we think like Greeks. We're extremely individualistic. Mm-hmm. And so we don't think about how the things that we go through impact other people. But, you know, Paul writes in Second Corinthians about one of the key reasons for suffering being, number one, that we can be comforted by the Holy Spirit, which grows our relationship with God, right? Grows our relationship with him, grows us in Christlikeness. But then that we can comfort other people with the same comfort that we've been shown by the Holy Spirit. So that's giving us precedent right there for this idea that sometimes the suffering that we go through is for a particular purpose to bless another person. And sometimes we may not even know the person. We may not even know the impact that we're, that we're having. That's absolutely, yeah, I agree hundred um, percent. You know, I was thinking about uh, Jacob uh, Israel, and you know, towards the end of uh, his life, he, they're they're in the promised land. The famine's going on through Egypt and the promised land. Joseph's in charge over there. His his son is in charge. He refound his son, and he's kind of he's he's there's an invitation to go into the uh, into Egypt to leave the promised land and go into Egypt, and um, uh, Jacob didn't want to do that, and God says to him. Uh, in uh, this is in Genesis 46 verse 2 he says and God spoke to Israel in visions of the night and said Jacob Jacob he said here I am and then verse 3 then he said I am God the God of your father do not be afraid to go down to Egypt so don't have no fear no fear for there I will make you into a great nation I myself will go with you to Egypt, and I will also bring you up again, and Joseph's hand shall close your eyes. So God tells him, look, I want you to go into Egypt, because I'm going to make you into a great nation. They were kind of, they were a tribe, and he's going to make them into Into this nation nation of, you know, a million people that came out of Egypt hundreds of years later. And we know that that process started off nice right there was they were in the land of goshen and uh, you know joseph had had pretty much bought everybody and everything in egypt through the famine and so the pharaoh owned it all yeah and the pharaoh said well i hear your people are good at taking care of you know livestock so you're going to go into the best land you're going to take care of the livestock and the, the israelites prospered in the land and then arose a pharaoh that didn't know joseph right and he said hey What's up with you all uppity-up Israelite people, you Jewish people? We're going to get you. And, mm-hmm. and, and then they, there's too many of you in comparison right. to how many of us there are. Right. We don't want you rising up against us. So they put them in, in, into in, slavery. But it, interestingly enough, we learn later that they still ate well. Yeah. They had they sat by the meat pots and they ate, you know, they had plenty of bread to eat. That's one of the things they were lamenting when they were in the wilderness. Was not having enough food. Right. But I guess the not having enough, the having enough food was probably canceled out by their sons being brutally murdered 
you know, the, you baby, the baby's being killed and all. Yeah, six one half. Probably, the other. Yeah. just kidding. Um, yeah, that was definitely canceled. And the fact of just being a slave and not, yeah, not, not having, having freedom, self determination, and whatnot, uh, and being cut off from your your promised land mm-hmm. and all of that. But uh, the point is, is that you know, Jacob said yes, Lord, and he went into Egypt, and then it was good for a while, but then it got really bad. Before mm-hmm. it got good again. And then they went in the wilderness and it was rough in the wilderness. Yeah. And then they went in the promised rough. land and they had to fight for that. So it's like God God tells us to do things and don't be surprised if God says, I want you to do this bold thing or I want you to move to this place or I want you to serve in this way. And don't don't be surprised if you find yourself broke, you know, broken hearted and covered in boils. You yeah, know what I mean, you, you, it, truly. don't be surprised by that because that's probably more likely than not. Yes, it, I mean that's that's the thing because if God is calling you, leading you uh, into a specific purpose, oftentimes you've got to go through some refining in order to fully live out that purpose. You need to grow in Christ likeness in order to fully live out that purpose, and suffering is one of the ways that, that that God does that, one of the ways that He grows us in Christ likeness and refine and refines us, is through suffering. I, yeah, and I think when you think about suffering, uh, people think about suffering. The automatic connotation in their mind is bad. Okay? Yes, that's now, our American concept, right? right. Now, Western I, concept. I went in the army many decades ago, and when I went in the army, this may shock uh, you, uh, Maddie, but the drill sergeants weren't nice to us. What? I know. Shocking, I thought drill right? sergeants were like kind of like kindergarten teachers, real sweet, you know, baking they, cookies. They might and be stuff. in the modern army. But, <laughs> but yeah. they they, you know, they got a little physical. They, they called us maggots. They, you know, we were always, you know, push doing push-ups doing push-up. and yeah. squats and running and crawling in the mud and and the drill sergeants would say or you know, what you'd come to learn is they were doing a couple of things. Number one, they were trying to build unity by us all hating the drill sergeant. Ah. Right? They united us in our <laughs> hatred. They also were trying to train us to be soldiers. Because let me ask you this. You go into the military and you're going to be a soldier. And then they say to you, well, we're not going to train you. We're just going to send you out with a gun. You're going to be hopelessly lost, probably most likely get yourself killed, kill someone who's not supposed to be being killed. Well, I think about my good friend Gabe who stormed the beaches at Omaha, second wave Omaha Beach in World War II. Uh, And uh, he's he's gone to be with Jesus now, but he was was my barber for a long time and a good friend. And he told me that towards the end of World War II, they were cranking soldiers out so fast that they were only giving them four weeks of soldier training and then sending them to you know to the european theater he said they were so poorly trained we didn't even bother to learn their names because they would die so fast oh so when you don't go through suffering in your training the person training you is doing more of an act of hatred than an act of love wow because that's interesting you're going to go into combat and you're going to die fast and so our Heavenly Father, who loves us, disciplines us, which is oftentimes in the form of Results suffering. Results in suffering in some way, Because yeah. it drives us to our knees. Mm-hmm. It draws us nearer to Him. It causes us to grow in our trust in His providence, which is one of those characteristics. It forces us to choose the harder way, the way of faith. Um, 
because uh, we're stuck on it. We don't we don't get to decide. Is this the harder way? Is <laughs> it's like I don't know. But how am I going to live through this pain? I don't, I don't know, know. But, but God, God knows. knows. How am I going to pay these bills? I don't, I don't know, know. But, but God, God knows. knows. You know how is how are you ever going to know that moving here or doing this was the right thing? I don't know. But God knows. It, mm-hmm. it places you in those seven words of faith constantly, right? And so I I don't know. I, I look at it and I think I've I've learned to love suffering. Yeah. Persecuted pastors tell me we've learned to love suffering. We hate it. But we but love we've it. Learned to love it. Because when suffering comes, we know God is doing something and we know that we're going to see the church grow and mature soon. That's really powerful. And Isn't it's it? so different from what we think about here in America regarding suffering because we you know, we kind of live in a society where we do every single thing we can to avoid not just pain and suffering, but discomfort you know, of any kind. And so being able to look at that biblically and say, no, there are things that God is going to allow me to walk through Mm -hmm. that are going to grow me that are for my good and are not to, to punish me or to do harm to toward me because that's not God's character. And I think the key is most people who are professing Christians in their intellectual minds don't believe it's in God's character to, punish people you know oh you got off track i'm punishing you i'm doing harm to you if you ask someone that they'd say of course not that's not in god's character that's not the god we see in the bible but if you get to what they feel in their heart what their emotions are surrounding those situations they may know in their mind that god's not punishing them but in their heart they feel like he is And that's where you have to make that change um, of allowing, you know, and we say this time and time again, going to the scriptures, right? Because that's what's going to transform your spirit. Going to the scriptures, allowing yourself to be transformed through abiding in Christ to where in your heart, you know who God is and what his character is. It's not just that mental peace anymore, but you actually feel it so that when you're going through those hard times, you feel God's presence with you. You feel God working in your life. Because if you don't feel that, and it's just kind of a head knowledge thing, I don't know how you would even be able to make it through. Well, you know, I have a, had a Bible college professor, and uh, he I, one he would say things that were quite profound from time to time. And one of the things he said that stuck with me was that the longest distance in the universe that he knew of was the distance between your heart and your mind. That's and absolutely now you true. can say, well, okay, well, maybe the distance between um, you know my sin and God's remembrance of my sin after I've been born again is farther, and you know, but yeah, obviously, but, but the, for the sake of the illustration, you get the it's point. a great illustration, right. and and I think he's so right because it's one thing to intellectually acknowledge something as true, mm-hmm. right? That's so, not that hard. So let's take an example from the political from I will I'll say political from the I'll use the word science loosely the scientific world. The Earth is 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 getting so hot that in the next seven years all the coasts are going to be underwater, and we're not going to have uh, we're you know it's going to be terrible for the whole world. Okay, don't get caught up in the detail of that, but just get caught up in the logic of it. If I believe that intellectually, um, I must not believe it in my heart if I'm still buying properties on the coast. Right. 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 It's yeah. like, if, uh, why would I buy a house on the co- on the Malibu coast if I'm convinced that's all going to be washed away or underwater in 15 years, no matter what? 
Right. Right. And so that's my point. It's like, it's so in other words, your head knowledge should result in a heart change that leads to a change in direction, repentance or an action. That's why we say that like faith has three aspects, intellectual, emotional, and volitional, a mental, uh, a heart, and then an action. action. And then that's a com- really kind of complete faith. Well, the same thing with uh, trusting God and, and, walking, and walking in faith. I believe I can trust God. And I know that through his word, but emotional, do I really feel it? Mm. And I, the evidence of me feeling it is my actions. Yes. So do I move to that new place and then say, no, I'm sure God's got me here for a reason. I'm looking for God's hand. I'm not going to change direction. I'm staying the course. I will not give up. And and by the way, Lord, please give me the strength to stay the course and not give up because <laughs> I can't do it in my yeah. own strength. I know what happened to Peter. I heard about him denying Christ. I don't want to be oh. that. I don't want to do that. So give me the strength, Lord. Or are you saying... Oh, clearly I missed God. Clearly God's punishing me. I'm packing it up and and leaving. Right. How I wonder how many tremendous moments of spiritual growth, of of divine blessing, of life changing uh, activity have been missed mm-hmm. because we just say, oh well, and we walk away. Now there's people who get a notion in their own mind from their own flesh. Oh, I I need to do X. You know that I I knew a guy that once said that the Lord told him that this girl was going to be his wife, and I was like, that had to be a miracle, bro, because between your age difference and the fact that she's got a face for the movies and you got a face for radio, um, <laughs> you know, I'm like, brother, <laughs> and be, and you don't have for good personality. I mean, it was just no way this girl was ever going to be with him, and it was just kind of a crazy thing. I think. And to be clear, they did not end up together because no. that guy did not hear the Lord. No, 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 no. He did um, not. That but was the, just his own mind. Thank you for, for rounding that out because I was already on to the next thought, which was, which was one of the ways you can test if you feel like God is leading you to do something and, or make a big move or something like that. Is it self-serving? Mm. Right? And I don't just mean like, is there a benefit to me? But I mean, is it really self-serving? Like, is this just like all going to do good for me? And and you can rationalize those kinds of things. So beware, you may need to change direction. But it's because you chose something that was self-serving. You weren't really hearing God. You were hearing yourself. Right. Yeah. And so that's a, that's challenging as well. But providence, trusting in God's provision... Uh, is such a necessary part of walking the harder way. And it's one of the characteristics we see in, in, in successful, uh, resilient, persecuted pastors. Uh, when I say success, I mean by being resilient, staying in the faith, keeping doing those their gospel. Those haven't, haven't fallen away. Right, doing their Christian work. Right. Like that. Yeah, and that is, um, it's just so essential for us. And God's giving us those opportunities, even in our privileged world in, in, in yeah. America. He's giving us those opportunities if we'll choose to take them, to make the bold move, to take the big leap of faith to um, at his leading, not at our own leading. That's key. And then when things get really, really, really not good, ugly, hairy, messy, difficult, challenging, stay in the course, using the seven words of faith. Trusting God for the outcome. Trusting in his providence. Man, I have to tell you, we have been through a hard road the last, you know, probably six of the last eight years. Yeah. And uh, I wouldn't 
change a thing. Which is, you know, kind of, that just shows you that power of perspective, right? That even just a little bit out, you can look back and say, wow, this was for my good. And so imagine how much infinitely, obviously infinitely greater, Mm -hmm. you know, the perspective of God, knowing everything and being outside of time, being aware of all the possibilities of him knowing the positives that will come out of our difficult situations. And if we can trust that it is always in God's character to work for our best interests and that he knows far more than we do, that his ways are higher than our ways, his thoughts higher than our thoughts, then we can trust that no matter what we go through, that God's with us and that we're going to be okay. Thank you for listening to the Harder Way podcast. If you were encouraged by this episode, please consider sharing it with a friend or leaving us a review. To be the first to know when we publish new episodes, subscribe to the Harder Way podcast on your favorite platform. Until next time, remember the words of Christ. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven.